better listen very carefully. A good martial artist does not become tense, but ready. Essentially, at this point, the fight is over. So you pretty much flow with the goal. Who is worthy to be trusted with the secret to limitless power? I'm ready. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another Bulletproof for BJJ podcast. I am JT. Hello, my friends. I'm Joey. Today, we will be discussing belt jealousy. Oh. When they graded, but you didn't. Oh. God, it stings, that doesn't it? a heartbreaking moment when you see your teammates get awarded for their hard work oh. and you don't. Yeah, and you just oh, – it, it stings a bit because you think, I'm as good as them. I've, I've trained as much. Why is coach holding me back? What's going on? And this idea of comparison comes up because we get so hooked up on belts. It's tough, especially when you are someone who aspires to improve. You work hard. And it's not even acknowledgement. It's just you feel you are worthy and the belt's not there. The stripe's not there. Why are you getting overlooked? It's a funny feeling, but guys, we're going to break it down because there is a bit of a, it's a, bit of a falsehood to this that really no one doing jiu-jitsu is the same and it is all very different for each individual. But understanding the process, talking with your coach, knowing what you need to do is like super crucial. And we're going to break down all the different parts as to why, you know what, bell jealousy is a waste of your time and, and what we can do to better understand it. So they say, the saying goes, comparison is the thief, is it not? The thief, the thief of joys. And don't get me wrong, I'm a competitive person. I'm always having a look at who's better than me. Can I get closer to them or can I beat them? Who's on my heels? Is the coach watching right now? Yep. Oh, did I nail the technique? Oh, maybe I did, maybe I didn't. Uh, So I think for a long time, I think especially around white and blue belt, I was always looking to beat people above me, even probably purple belt. I mean, yeah, I can't think of a time when I didn't feel like that. Yeah. In truth. Yeah, like just the competitive nature of jiu-jitsu, right? Yeah, you, you're always trying to show that you're, you're there. Yes, and that your game's good, mm. however it stacks up. Oh, you know, I'm, I'm a brown belt. I can beat that black belt. I should be a black belt kind of thing. Which is why I find as a higher high belt, I often get people un- belts under me giving me a hard time. Yeah. Because I generally go into the role I don't care. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm not I'm, – you mean, to prove. Beating you means nothing to me. <laughs> But beating this guy, that <laughs> says some shit. <laughs> but they're like, you. There's a yeah, they're, they're like, mate, if I beat you, I'm getting that blue. Or yeah, that, you, know. yeah. you give me your yeah. belt. <laughs> but I, I think the problem here is even if you're already training, so you started, you know, it's kind of like school. You're in the same year. You start in the same class, you know, and then the next year you show up, you might be in the same class or you get a different teacher. But you're working your way up through the years competitions, gradings, you you gauge yourself off this kind of watermark of the people who started when you started. Yeah. Some people drop off, some people excel, people become world champions. And all the time, even on a subconscious level, you are it's a status thing within human beings. Where am I in the tribe? Yeah. Am I a bottom feeder? Am I a top dog? Like how do I am I do, does a coach smile at me? Oh, the coach never practices techniques on me. Man, Coach went for acai with – didn't <laughs> yeah. invite me for acai. Yeah, I didn't get a coffee. Yeah. Oh, man, coach invited everybody over to his house. I didn't get the invite to the UFC Damn. night. Dang, I'm on the outer. <laughs> and, you know, it's just because we want to belong. We want to, we want to do well in the tribe. We want to be part of the tribe. But when it comes back to personal achievement, 
every belt is not the same. It's a really complex thing because even if you train the exact same days, same classes, you are not necessarily learning the same or moving as well as your partner or vice versa. You might be moving really well. You might be learning really quickly and your partner's struggling and they're looking at you like, oh, but you're natural. But then they also don't account for the fact that you're in the gym, you're stretching, you're watching videos, you're doing all the extra work they may not be doing. I feel like uh, – I know it's kind of a bit further down our list, but I feel like an important thing just to – you know, because there's people – I know we've got listeners who are really, really early on in their jiu-jitsu career. Yes. And the only exposure they've had to their jiu-jitsu is the academy that they signed up at. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's great, but there's a lot of things that are not explained to you at that point. And one of the really key things to mention here is that how one gym grades its students can be completely different to how another gym does it. Yeah. Right. There's no standardization to the belts. There's no, no, you know, there's no collection of techniques that you got to know universally amongst the jiu-jitsu community to progress to the next level. No, I mean each gym might have its own syllabus. Yeah. But that's not common across different gyms. That's right. And and so um, so already it's like all right, well, your journey versus someone who's at a, another academy could be completely different. Mm. Um, and it's, it's just important to know that because you're in your own little ecosystem and that's, yeah, that's the, essentially the rules and the standards you're operating under. Yeah. And, and the culture of a gym can be quite different. You might be training at a gym where everybody's like really friendly and respectful and people are nice to each other and people keep their geese clean and all these things. And then you go, your mate goes, Oh, I'm training at this gym. You should come have a role. You're like, Oh yeah, that'd be sweet. You show up you know, the geese are not clean. The mats are not clean. <laughs> no one acknowledges you. They don't look at you, you know, and then people go as hard as they can to beat you down, even though you're a guest, you know. It's such a shock. You're like, oh, they hate me. This gym's so tough. And then you realise you're at Cicero Costa in Sao Paulo. <laughs> <laughs> I went there. I went to Cicero and no one would even look at me. Like I didn't even go to roll. I was just sussing it out because I'd heard about it, you know, the Meow Brothers and Leandro Lowe. And I was like, yeah, Cicero Costa. And man, I had this epic bus ride to get there. And I probably should have just like been prepared, but I was pretty smoked. But I was like, no, I'll just give it a sus. And there's a guy called Iago who, who used to train there, who's like, like a skinny jacare and more fierce. And he just, he just snarled at me. I walked in, he was like, Bleh. And I was like, oh, that's a start. And at that time he was a purple belt. And man, Man, it was the most hostile – no one was friendly. There's a couple of guys asleep on the kind of far side of the mat and just no welcome, no introduction, nothing. Cicero wasn't there. I don't – I think one of – Paulo was there. Zhao wasn't. I, don't, I was just like, this place is so not welcoming. And that was just me, right? Obviously, I'm just a gringo. I try to use my broken Portuguese to work out what was going on. Yeah. And then – uh, right around like a bunch of people came through for the training session and I pretty much just got ignored. And I was actually interested to go and maybe train there. And I was like, you know what? Fuck those guys. Like that's not my vibe. I, I, it's not that I'm anything special or anything, but the least someone could do is just say, oh, hey man, like what's, what's going on with you? Like you've walked in the yeah, door. Yeah, there's places out there that, that will welcome you. Yeah, that's right. And Even so they might kick your ass, like, <laughs> you know, go to town on you once you jump on the mats. Sure. They're still smiling, shake your hand. Like, Yeah, there's still, there's still an element of, of uh, human respect. Yeah. Um, and yeah, definitely if you've ever had someone new come to your academy and then smoke everyone, you're like, dang, where's that guy from? Where's that girl from? You're like, oh, yeah, they're, uh, they're just in town for a seminar. They're a purple belt from Atos. That's uh, Mikey Yamasaki. 
He just trains jujitsu. He's trained jujitsu since he was six years old. Like God, you just and, it, and it's a shock to the system because everybody's different. You're like, man, I thought it was a blue belt, and now I feel like I'm nothing. You know, you get this this idea of achievement. I've climbed the rung. I've put in the work. I've trained for two years. I've trained for three years, and then you meet somebody who's light years away from you, and it really makes you feel diminished in a way because you're comparing yourself, and that's not fair. Like that person may have trained for legitimately 10 years. They're, they're, they're 17 years old. They've been training since they were seven. That, that's a very different human to who you are and your jiu-jitsu journey. Um, then, and that's the thing. Comparison is just such a lie. I just feel like it's just, not a true, it's just not a true indication of what's going on. Yeah, well, I guess any other sport, like if you think about other sports that you might play, you know, common one, let, let, let's take soccer. Like I played soccer growing up. Yeah. Um, and it was – there's different leagues, there's different divisions, there's selective teams. Yeah. You want to try and play at a high level, you go to the trials, try and get into the selective team. I, I, I did that like for a year or two. Um, you know, then, then you know, then I was like, oh, this is a bit fucked. Like, it, you know, I wasn't, I didn't really enjoy the stress. So I dropped back to more of like a club side, you know, and then there's all these, it's like, I don't know, when I was 16 or something, there was like 12 different divisions. Sure. You know, first division is the toughest. Yep. 15th, 16th is the hardest, you know. But the idea is that there's this kind of this ranking system in a sense. And in jiu-jitsu, you just don't have anything like that. You're just all there together. So you can be training against – like you might have a counterpart that you're like, oh, we started around the same time. But they could be a physical phenom. They could just have amazing physical ability – really good coordination and they just pick things up really fast. Mm. They are the equivalent of a division one player. Yep. And perhaps you don't, you yep. know, uh, or perhaps for the sake of this discussion, you're the division one player and they're the division 12. Yeah. Right. But my point is, is that there's just, there's no like standardization there to how quick someone's going to learn or progress in their journey. So the idea that you will compare yourself to someone directly every time you go to class it just doesn't really make any sense, even though we all understand why we do it and we have all done it. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I think it's, it's, it's really something that for the person who's listening, it's like, yeah, fucking compare. My, you have to actually cultivate some discipline to not do it. You yeah. have to focus on you, don't you? Yeah, definitely. Because if you don't do that, and I've seen it happen to people, this jujitsu like disparity can just eat away at their soul. Yeah. Like this, like, oh, wh- you know why I'm getting beaten or the person always sweeps me or they got their blue belt or, and it's like, fuck too much of that. And you'll just drop out. Cause you don't need that stress in your life generally. Yeah. And it takes, yeah, it just, it takes away the fun. Yeah. Jiu-jitsu should be fun. I was reading an article the other day talking about training kids and it was just saying how it just needs to be fun. But I think even as adults, there has to be that element of jo- enjoyment. Even if you are a very competitive person that if you want to be the best, you must enjoy process. I think to be the best at anything, art, business, martial arts, sport you must really enjoy that that thing of showing up practicing your skills take copying a beating giving a beating whatever it just you just enjoy that process and it's just you developing and when you remove that idea of who did i beat maybe a win for you that day was just your guard didn't get passed that's still a really good win yeah if you can keep your guard against nearly everybody in the room hey that's a win it just depends but if you haven't been told that or your coach hasn't had that conversation with you like hey i'd really like you to work on this 
then you don't even know what you're working on. There's no direction. And I think that leads us to one of our major points, which is you need to know where you're at and that does involve a conversation with your coach. Yeah. I, the, when we started, I don't know, I'm interested to hear what your take on this is, but when I started jiu-jitsu and the team that I started at, it was a big no-no to talk about oh, belts. faux pas. Like completely. If you bring up your belt with your coach, then – you're waiting another two years. That's exactly right. right. Yeah. yeah. And it was like, it was just this thing. It was like this, this like some bullshit warrior code kind of, I mean, you know, it's cool, right? It's like, don't fucking ask about it. Just train. I get that. It's commitment to the process. There's a discipline there. In some ways it's a great thing to have. However, the reality of it is, is that, you, and, and we've seen this play out that this disparity or this not knowing where you're at, people feeling like they're not, they're getting overlooked, right? Cause that's what it is. If you feel like you're not getting recognized for your hard work, then eventually you can get to a point where you're like, well, fuck this. Why am I putting in all this work? No one's rewarding me for what I'm doing. Definitely. So um, it was considered a massive faux pas. Cut to, you know, I had a big journey, took some time off at Brown Belt, started training with our mate Adam Childs. You know, my coach gave me my black belt and he had a conversation with me at the very beginning. He's like, hey, man, so when do you want to get your black belt? Like, what are your expectations? And I was like, oh, shit, like I've never had a conversation. I was really nervous actually right, in that conversation. Right. Like, no one's ever asked me that. I was like, well, I guess I'd like to get it before I'm 40. Yeah. And I was like 35 when we're having – and he's like, sure. oh, dude, you'll get it by then. And I was like, oh, wow. Cool. You know, like even the fact that he was telling me, yeah, you will get it. Like, you know, at some point, you know, sometime soon-ish. Yeah. I'm like, wow, that's really upfront. And we had a lot of conversations like that back and forth over time. And he said to me – he gave me my fourth stripe and he said – on my brown belt and he said, I want you to compete once at brown belt before I give you a black belt. So I'm like, amazing. I'll do the next competition. Like yeah. expectations were clearly set. Yeah. And you know, he's also very consistent with giving stripes. He keeps track of how often you're coming. He makes sure to give you feedback if he sees any glaring mistakes. Yeah. Things that previous coaches had never really done with me. Right. They'd never, they'd, like I didn't have any stripes on my other belts. Yeah. So, you know, you just hang around for four years and then all of a sudden you get a new belt. Right. But also like the, the idea of a coach coming up and saying, hey, I, I noticed that you keep making this mistake. You need to stop doing that. You know, that, that to me, that kind of proactivity was, was new. Yeah. So in any case, it made me understand that uh, being able to talk in that way with your coach is really important. And I guess everyone that we're speaking to is at a different gym and a different culture and a different relationship. But I do believe that you should be able to sit with your coach and have an honest chat about what your goals are. And if your goal is to get your next belt, so you're like, hey, um, I want to get my blue belt. I'm not asking for it. I just want to know what do you want to see from me yeah. to think that I'm ready for that. Yeah. And you're not even saying when are you going to give it to me. You're no. saying what qualities do you want to see from me to consider me ready for that rank. Yeah. And your coach should be able to say, you know what? I actually think you need to be more consistent or I need to see you stop making these silly fucking mistakes or I want you to compete twice, you know. Yeah. But lay it down, make it uh, objective so you can go, all right, well, I, let me frame my, my, my planning and my training around that and let me, let me do that. Yeah, and I just think that's – it doesn't exist in most jiu-jitsu gyms at all. Like there's just not a framework. And this, is, this even comes back to like being a PT or being a coach communicating to your client, like how do you get from point A to point B? And if you're not really clear on that, then you shouldn't be guiding them because you have to say, look, you've got to go through checkpoint, you know, one before we go to checkpoint two, don't skip ahead. And for me, like even when I'm looking at 
the students here at Jungle Brothers, I'll be very clear, for some people it's technical progression and for other people it's personal progression. Like if someone's being immature, like if someone just has a spat, they get their ass kicked and they're like, no, I'm sitting off. That's not allowed. Like you have to be able to check your emotion, acknowledge, yep, yeah, I got my ass kicked, but you can keep rolling. You might have a good roll off the back of that because you might be – bit mad or now you're fired up to actually do the you know the right level of defense or attack to not have that happen just this idea of like no i don't want it it's, it's not good enough like if the, the one thing i've learned from jiu-jitsu is your ability to keep composed mentally even if physically you're exhausted and wrecked just being able to have that attitude it's not even stoic it's just all right i just got submitted that's fine i'm gonna fix that up and and keep going i'm very direct i'm probably too direct <laughs> I'm, I'm probably like, you know, I'm seeing the dark prince, you know. There's some people out there that just took a huge deep breath. <laughs> oh, thank God you finally realised. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I know. but Because I, I also understand that jiu-jitsu is a pretty uh, savage thing. Uh, even though we, we all enjoy it, there's no lies in jiu-jitsu. If, you, if your guard's not good, you're getting passed. And that's going to result in you getting smashed. Or if, if you're not good at playing any kind of a takedown, in comes ex-rugby player, ex-bodybuilder mate Will, who's just dropped 30 kilos of muscle, still weighs 110 kilos, Oof. and he's going to double leg you into the next life. Yeah, You better be ready. So this all being said, I will always say to someone, hey, I'd, like to, I'd just like to see you do this. It's not even a belt conversation. I just go, next time you come in and roll, try and do this, you know, to whatever success. And I give that little task to each person – and then I just see if they follow up. And if they don't and they keep their old habits, I'm not going to give them too much of a hard time, but I'm also not going to grade them. Well, that's right. That's a, that's a great thing, right? It's like if, you're, if your coach is giving you information and you're choosing to not acknowledge it, then you've got to consider that you're not really indicating the right things. Mm. But if you are taking it on and you are seeking more, and you, and then you would think that that is an indication to your coach, man, so-and-so really wants it and yeah. I, I see what they're doing. Yeah. You know, and I think that that's, that's what it's all about, right? Yeah. I think probably for, for a fresh white belt who's like, who still feels nervous turning up to the academy and maybe doesn't even have much of a relationship with the head coach, it's probably a bit daunting to consider having that conversation. And I guess further to this advice is like, if you're in your first like 12 months, don't worry about it. Just, yeah. Just train. Yeah. Just show up and do the thing. But, you know, a, a time will come. But when- Joey, when do I get my first strike? Right, I've jo- trained for three months and ten days. Joey, you're a black belt now. You can give me that stripe. <laughs> Diora, first thing you said to me when I said I got my black belt, Jungle Brothers business partner, he said, "Does that mean I get my blue belt now?" <laughs> When's the last time you rolled? He team? said, "He said doesn't matter, but, mate. You gotta have a roll with him. It's a fucking handful." Yeah, no, I mean, but no. but no, that's right. But he said, if that means you need me to go into some um, some regional comp up here and fuck up some white belts, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> T, for all of you out there, if you don't know who Tiora Ward is, he's how many years on that white belt? Uh, he started jiu-jitsu before I did. So I don't know, 15 years. 15 years and a gymnastic monster of a man. <laughs> yeah. So strong. Like when I rolled here, I'm like, dang. But did a lot of like MMA type no-gi training. Yeah, and and has kickboxing. A, and- yeah, and has a good base from that time. So man, even with the gi, like just – Top game and the pressure and the, is a real oh, handful. Oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah. You don't want to be coming up against Tiora, your first white belt comp. <laughs> but yeah, I think like having some kind of understanding of where you're at is really important versus you're just showing up all the time hoping 
And then yeah. the coach is like, hey, we're doing a grading day at the end of the year. Everyone, and then you're like, oh, maybe this year I'm going to get it. You know, maybe I'm going to get it. And, you know, maybe you are, but maybe six months ago you could have had a conversation with your coach that would allow your expectations to have been a little bit more firmly based in reality right now. Yeah. And your coach said to you, hey, you know, I want to see these things, but I'm, you know, I don't think it's until next year or, you know, yeah. I'd like to see you work really hard up until this next grading. Like yeah. if you have that little conversation, then it's, it's, it's a very different experience coming into that moment for you. Yeah, it, it helps you achieve a better understanding about what you need to do. And so many things in life have that. And I'll be honest, I think a lot of jiu-jitsu coaches are lazy around that. Oh. So, you know, they're just, yeah, I'll just sit you there. Like, man, my first coach, Peter DeBean, if he just even sensed that you had an inkling you were better and you wanted your next belt, he would just sit on you for years. Like, I remember Chris Dirksen. Shout out to Chris Dirksen, who's one of the hardest men I've ever met in my life. Was on his brown belt for five years, six years. And he was winning. And the hardest thing for him was it wasn't that he asked for his brown belt. He was just training his butt off and working so hard. And he was in the final. He's a lightweight guy, brown belt, super tough. He was in the final two or three times of the Pampax. And at that time, Pampax was kind of the biggest comp in Australia before some of the Opens and Abu Dhabi trials, all that. And because Pete was refing, Pete would kind of ref against Dirksen. Oh. Because he didn't want to seem to be biased. Right. But he swung like really hard the other way. Yeah. But there was times when maybe, you know, Dirksen got the sweep and he would just give him an advantage. And I think Dirksen might have lost the final three times because Pete was refing. You're wow. like, how perverse is that? Is that your coach does you like that? But he could have given him a black belt anyway because he was just going after it, right? And I know there's some gyms out there that have quite strict syllabuses and that, you know, you've got to hit certain targets like technique-wise, demonstration-wise. Which sometimes get a bit of a hard time, though I like it. I yeah. like that they've, they've standardised what it's, they need to see. It is good. But then there's other gyms which are more competitor-based. So when I was at sorry, when I was at Absolute MMA when it was South Yarra before it became St Kilda, it was a competitor gym. So you're really based off your results. Yeah. Like if you won all comps at Purple and you were looking at Worlds, like, you know, at that time, Lockie would be like, do you want to go to Worlds at Purple? And you'd be like, yep. He's like, okay, cool. Like you, you'll stay Purple and we'll see how you go at Worlds. Yeah. And maybe that gives you an opportunity to be a world champion. Whereas if you've been given your brown, which you probably deserve, you, you're maybe not going to podium. Do, that, that's exactly I mean? right. And that's a very – yeah, if that is, the, that is the focus of the training there, then that's a completely necessary measure, isn't it? Mm. Which, which, you know, which of course, like if you're thinking about that, if you're at a highly competitive gym, then that's going to – like that's going to kind of throw things out to the, the general BJJ practitioner yep. because it's like, well, if you've won like 12 competitions at Purple Belt this year and the coach is keeping you at Purple so you can go and win the world championships – or maybe podium at the world championships. Well, what does that mean when you show up to some other gym when it's, uh, I don't know, some, uh, you know, a mother of three who's been training jiu-jitsu for eight years and, sure. you know, she's got her purple belt and it's like you, you can't compare it's the a two. Different, it's a different universe. Yeah, it's such a different universe. So it's really important to keep that in your back of your mind. Okay, there's people who are on this competitive trajectory with this thing and then there's people who are hobbyists, and you know, and then there's people who are like, who like to fight, like go kind of hard in the gym. Gym hero. Yeah, you know, and it's just important to keep that in the back of your mind because 
you can't have all of these people stand shoulder to shoulder and have a simple system for it. I had a tough moment uh, with Ben Hodgkinson, audacity of Ben Hodgkinson. I'm giving him a lift home from training, like whatever. We just had hard ADCC rounds. And I think I got the better of him in those rounds, just saying. We're in the car and we're talking about training versus competition. He's like, totally different. And I'm like, yeah, I get that. But I was like, we train hard. Like we, we train comp rounds like as if it was comp. No one's holding back. He's like, yeah, but people, people compete differently. And I'm like, yeah, but you and I try and murder each other, which is legit. And he was like, yeah, but I'm a competitor and you're a hobbyist. Oh. oh stab in my heart. <laughs> I was like, oh, I was like, oh, great. I'm not a hobbyist. He's like, when's the last time you competed? I was like, brown belt? He's like, yeah, it was ages ago. You don't compete. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I was just like, oh, I'm not a hobbyist. That's not true. I'm just, I'm just not, not also a full-time competitor. I'm still good. <laughs> I can still do it. I can still bang. Put me on coach. <laughs> anyway, next time we rolled, I murked that guy. But usually Ben Hodgkinson will beat me um, because he is technically better than me and a full-time jujitsu head. <laughs> but that said, you know, it's, it's a hard thing to swallow when you are a competitive human. You want to give your best, but you're not trying to be a world champion. Where does that put you? You're kind of no man's land. You do gauge yourself off those competitors and those people who are trying to win world championships and all this kind of thing. And this is, is a, just a side funny story. I was uh, at the grading in 2012. There was a guy called Juan Kanazama and he was brown belt world champion at lightweight. And he was two stripes on his brown belt at that time. He's a world champion. And at that time also there's, this is at Alliance in Sao Paulo, Thomas Lisboa and I think also Fabinho Colloy were also brown belts at, at, at about the same level. And everyone knew like Juan's getting his black belt. And then Fabio Gurgel, as a joke, but everyone didn't know, was talking about, he said, oh, you know, Juan is an amazing competitor. He's just won the world championship, all this stuff. He gave him two, stripe, two more stripes on his brown belt. <laughs> and then all those guys who were kind of under the impression they might be getting their black belt were like, oh my God, Juan didn't get his black belt. I'm not gonna get my black belt. Like they just died inside like, oh, it's not gonna happen. And then Fabio proceeded to give black belts to Fabinho and then also to Thomas. Oh, wow. And then everyone's like, how is he keeping one on his brown belt? Like just like the whole room was just like, what the, what's going on right now? And then right at the end and he started giving this speech, kind of like Adam did, you know, like he's talking about how important it is to get your black belt and what it means and talking about this person who's so dedicated and just one of the best people he's ever seen. And he said, all right, one. Your black belt. <laughs> and so the look on around. his face was like, Ugh! and then he was just couldn't believe it. He was kind of crying a bit. And he, and he was like, what? why did you do that? And he's like, the look on your face, bro. I was only ever going to get one opportunity to do that to you. So I did. <laughs> and that's like, you know, depending on your relationship with your coach. Yeah. They might mess. I don't know. You know, like it's, it's very different for every individual. Yeah. But I think this brings us to the last point really, which is your journey is unique. You know, you might just be a long time in the game. You might be purple belt, 10 years, can't see your path to black belt. you got a lot of injuries. You love jiu-jitsu, but you're just like, how do I do this and kind of keep my jiu-jitsu pride? I'm good. I'm really good, but I'm not the best. I'm not a world champion. I have kids. You know, I have a full-time business. I just want to do jiu-jitsu all the time. 
my wife's ready to divorce me because I, <laughs> or my husband's ready to divorce me because I've just got, I've just do every spare moment on jujitsu. I think it's important to take stock where you are now compared to a year ago. And it's like, have you improved? Maybe you haven't. Maybe, maybe you kind of had a bit of a holding pattern. So then I think it is definitely worthwhile, whether it's a conversation with the coach, it might even just be a higher belt. You know, you might just talk to somebody who you know who's better than you and, and seek their advice and say, hey, can you give me some advice that will help me get better? Like, do you think there's something I could work on? Because if you're at a really big academy, say you train at bloody Hodger Gracie's Academy in London or something, you're probably not going to have a chance to talk to Hodger. Who are you going to talk to? And I think it's worth getting advice from higher belts. But you probably got someone who's your main coach, don't you? Yeah. Like someone who's running the sessions that you show up to. And I guess the thing is like, like you know, I, I find myself in conversations like that with students sometimes, lower belts at the gym. But at the end of the day too, I don't, I'm like, I don't know how much you train. I only see you when I come in here. Like, you, you know, there needs to be that person that notices how often you're there, notices your skill acquisition, um, who can give you a more kind of, you know, appropriate diagnosis. I guess if I trained all the, if I was training more, yeah. then I could be that person for someone. Sure. Um, but, but you just don't care because they're lower belts, right, Joey? Yeah, I'm like, bro, why are you even talking to me? <laughs> <laughs> Get away. Yeah. Get away. I think that that communication piece is so, is so important. I can look back at so many different points in my jiu-jitsu journey and see years and years where I didn't progress at all. Yeah. You know? And it's just because I was kind of too lazy at the time to address any of my weak points. Mm. And I also didn't have anyone who was forcing me to address them. Yeah. Like a coach who was saying, dude, why the fuck do you keep letting so-and-so sweep you with that same sweep every time? Yeah. Why do you keep making that same mistake and getting caught in the triangle? Like I didn't have anyone doing that. I wasn't really motivated to do it for myself. So I just wasn't going anywhere. Yeah. You know, and, and I think um, like it's fine, right? If you look back and you're like, fuck, I haven't progressed. It's fine. It happens to all of us. Yeah. But if you are hungry for this progression and growth, then maybe there's some simple things that you can do there to start growing again. Yeah. But also to speak to that, that's also a bit of time lost in a way. Oh, even, even though. Absolutely. Even though there is learnings in the hard part. <laughs> Yeah. There's learnings in kind yeah. of driving against the wall. It's a waste of time though. It is. And yep. how long are you in this thing for? Even if you come to this late, like even if you start this thing when you're 40 or 35, you've probably got a five to 10 year good window of you not being, you know, completely crippled by this thing. Yeah. And also your life responsibilities, right? Whether it's business or family, like things will – come as a priority above jiu-jitsu eventually so if you think man i could get a really good level of understanding and also get a really good feeling and expression of my body it's like the amount of time i spent injured it's a, i wasted years of sitting on the couch because i couldn't roll because i was injured because i went too hard like i'm like no nah, i can do this i can do this until you can't and then you you just ice pack on your knee and you're stuck but this is true from a mental perspective of somebody not asking that question, like feeling embarrassed or, you know, even if it's, even if you wanted to ask us, I mean, maybe you don't have a connection with someone at your gym and you're like, oh, I, I, I feel like I'm, I'm getting stuck here. We're, we're not here to necessarily coach you on jujitsu, but to give some advice, we can for sure. 
You know, we've been in the game long enough. And I think it's worthwhile if it's not your coach to find someone at your gym who's who can give you that bit of like mentorship or assistance. Mm, yeah, I, I agree. I think it's important. I, can't, I was about to make a really fucking awesome point there and it's left me. <laughs> That's all right. We'll come back on that. Well, I, the thing I was going to say with that too is I remember the first time I tapped a black belt and I, I just felt like I must have like sucked their soul, like their black belt powers out <laughs> to their for like a death eater. Like <laughs> suck their soul out their face because I'm like, yeah, I'm a purple belt. I tapped you, son. And then, you know, that said, I, I, they totally rinsed me because they were like, okay, that's where you're wake at. up now. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to take it easy on you anymore. But in my head, I was like, you totally smoked them. <laughs> I got that guy, you know, like notch on my belt. And that is like the dumbest thing ever because my jiu-jitsu was nowhere near their understanding of, of what they could do. I just caught them. And I, I think, don't get me wrong, I, I believe it is good in jiu-jitsu to work towards submissions, but there's also a, a real fundamental understanding in being able to just totally control somebody and not tap them. Yeah. Like just be all over them, the back, the mount, knee ride. You just, you just totally, you know, and that demonstration of knowledge and control really shows where you're at. And when you see somebody who gets it early, like you see someone who's a, a white belt or a blue belt and you can see them playing that kind of more thoughtful jiu-jitsu, you're like, wow, that person's probably going to go far because they get it. Not, not, not the purple belt guy who's like, man, I smash white belts with this. You're like, bro, you're garbage. <laughs> like, don't say that. That's such a, such a bully. It's such a creep bully thing to say, yeah, I just wrist lock white belts in the guard. You're like, man, just pass their guard. What are you doing? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's one of those things. And I, and I don't want to say it's maturity. It's just like discernment. It's just knowing like what is good jujitsu and what's just kind of throwaway garbage. I think, it's, I think maturity is a good word for it too because it's kind of like maturity in terms of your, your jujitsu character, your jujitsu yeah. attitude. Yeah. You know, and it's, it, uh, you know, one of the things that stands out with going back to that idea of being new to jujitsu and comparing yourself to the people that you started at the same time as – um, the it's that short-term view where it's mm. like, oh, how many times did so-and-so train this week? Oh, did I catch them? Did I, you know, did I beat them in the roles today? Oh, they beat me last week. Like everything's very short-term and, you know, and it's I see that as an immature way to look at it. Definitely. Like respect respectfully because we all start at that immature stage. We've all right? been there. We're like infantile in that part of the journey. Um, but then as you get further down the track, it, it becomes this longer-term view. I don't really care like – yeah, whatever. Maybe maybe someone gets the better of me to write. I don't. I got nothing to prove. Like I was just happy oh. to get into the gym tonight. Yeah, and I'm working on something, and it and it didn't come off. Yes, you know, so, like so you you kind of detach from that short term view. Sometimes, like I'm, you know, it's still there. Sometimes, right? Like when we train together or sure. with ads, it's like, and you feel yourself, and you're like, fuck, I'm attaching to, yeah, you know, whatever. He got me last time. I got to get I'm him back. Get you now. But yeah. and and even though we 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 go there and we all know we're going there, it, you know that that is not the healthiest and most sustainable way to operate consistently in class. Yeah, of course. And, and, and this, this is principally circling back around to the idea that winning doesn't really teach you anything. And I actually did learn this from Peter DeBean. So I, I don't want anyone, because I do reference Peter every now and again, because he was my first jiu-jitsu coach. But one of the first things he did say to me is, you learn nothing from winning. You will learn most from your losses. They will force you to confront your deficiencies and – they're just going to make you work on your game. 
So he's like losing's good. You should lose. That's why he always encourages people to compete as much as they can. And he's like, mate, you're just going to learn from that. And it, it is a, a really key insight because winning, whatever that looks like to you, is just confirmation bias. It's just you patting yourself on the back and it's not confronting where you need to improve and that's the growth. That's where you get better. That's where you start to grow in jiu-jitsu. That's what I think. Yeah, that's a really good point. You know, I had one other rant, Ooh. one small rant. Bring it. And, and bring I, it guess, I guess here's the thing. If, if, you are, if you talk to your coach and they give you this response, you're like, hey, coach, I um, uh, really want to get to my blue belt. What do you need to see from me in order to be worthy of that rank? Mm. And your coach says, you need to be smashing the other blue belts to be worthy of that rank. That means your coach has no fucking idea what they need to see from you. <laughs> It means your coach is, has never thought about it and can't articulate what it is that a blue belt should be. Now, I'm not saying that's an easy job, but here's the fucking thing. Those blue belts also want to be purple belts. Imagine that they've had the same conversation and the coach has said, well, I just need to see you smashing the purple belts. Well, if they're like, you know, on their way to smash, how the fuck are you going to be smashed? Like, it just doesn't make it, you can't. It doesn't compute. Yeah, you can play people off in the gym. That can be done strategically. Sure. But not in that way. Yeah. So the coach needs to be able to say, well, relevant to where you're at, James, I would really like to see, you know, you, you tighten up these parts of your game. I think that, you know, your open guard sucks. I want to see start to develop some, you know, part of that, whatever. But like, so you could actually almost have a checklist and go, all right, these are the things I've got to work on. Like, that's what it should be. So be mindful of whatever communication comes back at you there. Yeah, definitely. And if you have changed gyms, and this is something we've touched on before, you can anticipate you're going to spend a bit longer on a belt. Yeah. Almost all coaches, and I'm just keeping it real right now, and this is one of those things, even if you're a gun, most coaches will want to see that they've been able to teach you something. And if you have been at a gym for four years and you haven't graded and you come to a new gym, you're probably going to be another year. It might even be two. At least you'll probably start back at the kind of the beginning. Almost. Even if you're really good, it's just because I know having having had a conversation with three very different coaches in Australia and the US that they just want to see that they've actually taught you something and that, and that you, you have learned from them and that they feel that in that way they can impart and give to you this idea of trust, which is I credential you under my name. I trust that you represent what I talk about and my school of thought or philosophy or combat or whatever. And that's and, – and Josh Hinger talked about that recently that he felt the black belt he got from Andre Galvan was like a bond. It's like Andre saying, I trust you're going to rep me. You, you know, like oh, – Because he had come from somewhere else. He had, yeah, and that he would be a good representative of him and that he felt the need to uphold that on behalf of Andre. Like, yeah. a, like a, a trust that also – that Andre would also hold him accountable and kick his ass when necessary. You know, and, and yeah, it's a bond. It is a bond. It's not just a transaction, guys. Like as much as we have talked about, you know, making sure that you um, get the training you want and you're in a good environment, you, you are creating a, a, a relationship with a person. So provided you trust their judgment and they understand you, uh, you know, trust that process. But definitely if you're not sure, have that conversation. Yeah, good call. All right, my guy. Thank you. Thank you, my brother. Guys, if you need any help with any of it, you can get at us, bulletproof for bjj.com. Two things you want to do. If you're not on our program, 
you should go sign up for that. Take the free trial because it's going to help you get strong, get mobile so you can keep training jiu-jitsu and be as free of injury as possible. The second thing you want to do is go and leave a voicemail for our podcast. We'll play it on the show and we'll leave you an answer your question. Sounds good. Click on the podcast tab. It's on the website. Click away. Away you go. My guy. Thank you. Cheers, Thanks, guys. guys.